You are listening to a sermon from Village Baptist Church in Petaluma. For more sermons like this one, please visit our website at villagebaptisthome.org. Our mission is to win people to Christ and develop them into active disciples. We pray this sermon is a blessing to you. Now let's hear today's message. to deal with spiritual disciplines of Christians. Spiritual discipline. What does it mean when we talk about spiritual disciplines? And then we're going to talk about spiritual gifts. Uh, And then we're going to talk about spiritual warfare. Now, unfortunately, I'm dealing with these subjects today. I couldn't change it. I already sent it to the media team. Uh, That's what I'm going to be doing this Sunday. Um, But each of those subjects could be uh, spoken and could be taught, uh, could be preached on for uh, four Sundays each. (laughs) But we're going to hurry up in about 10, 15 minutes to finish it all. Okay. Again, I'm going to still leave it open for any question uh, that you may have. You can also uh, discuss. um, Can we put the ushers? Can we have the mic in the center just in case we have? uh, So make sure the mic is on. Okay, thank you. So when we talk about spiritual discipline. If you look in your book, that uh, in your pamphlet that most of you already have, 100 words that all Christians should know, you will see that it defines it as what are the things that a Christian ought to do if they want to grow. Now, in looking at the proposal of many scholars and many pastors and uh, many Christians, you will have a totally different list. Some may have 20, 21, some may have 10, some may have 6, some may have 3, some may have 5. This is really the most important one. So to kind of get in the middle, I chose 12. What are the 12 things that a Christian ought to do and continue to do if they want to grow in Christ. If you want to become an effective Christian, you want to be a Christian that is actually carrying what they call the Christian banner all of their lives. So I have 12 of them so that I don't miss them. I'll get my glasses. Okay. So when we're talking about spiritual discipline, who knows what the most important one is? Yes? Pray. Pray. Yes? Reading the word word is the most important one. Okay, so that will come as number one. Not that prayer is not important. Not that the others are not important. But how does God communicate to us? How do you as a Christian Live your life based on God's direction. This is a very important issue because a country that does not have laws is going to be a what? A lawless country. And nobody will know what to do. That's why the United States has what they call the Constitution. So, Based on the Constitution, the lawmakers decide what is to happen. They cannot make laws that goes against the Constitution. So we as believers, if we're going to live our lives, we cannot leave it on what Auntie X said, what my mother said, what my father said. What the society says, we should not live our lives that way. In other words, 
Christians should live their lives based on the teachings of the Bible. If the teachings of the Bible are really important, then what are you supposed to do as a Christian? Be familiar with it, right? For this, we'll go to Psalm 1 and Psalm 119. We don't have time to read it, okay? But blessed is the man that does what? Okay, that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor sit in the seat of what? But his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And on this law he meditates what? Day and night. So it's really important that we understand this. Please understand this. The pastor can come up with things that are not godly. But just sound good. We have many preachers like that on TV. Okay, many people used to, you know, say, I don't know what it was all about. I just know he sounded good. Sounding good does not mean sounding right. So we have to understand that if the, if the preacher is going to preach the word of God, is going to teach the word of God, he has to come from where? The word of God. Okay. Has to come from the word of God. So if we are going to test what the preacher is saying, whether it is right or wrong, what are we to be saturated by? The word of God. If you're going to live a life that is acceptable to God, what are you going to base it on? The word of God. God is not in any popularity contest. It's not in any majority contest. Please, this is really important. I know some people would die as Democrats. Some of you would die as Republicans. When you get to God, he's not going to ask you, did you do what Republicans said? Or did you follow the Democrats? I'm saying this because this is really important. For so long, for example, one of the greatest preachers, evangelists in this country listed some organizations that Christians should not follow. He listed the Mormons as one until Mitt Romney started running for the presidency. And you went to his website and he crossed out the Mormons. So what made it different? Because somebody that he wants to support is now running for president, so he crossed the religion of that person out of the the no-nos on his list, on his website. How old is the word of God? Just a hundred years old? So we have to understand that the word of God lives forever. The word of God is active forever. The word of God is right forever from the beginning to the end. So it does not change. Cultures change. Opinions change. But the word of God remains forever. Amen. The second thing is what? Prayer and fasting. Please, I list it as prayer and fasting, not just prayer. We Christians, we are so lazy. We have no spiritual disciplines at all. Man, I wish I had time today. But anyway, let, let, me, let me move on. Number three is fellowship with other believers. Please, these are my lists. Okay? Uh, you can go to another church and they can list a different one. That doesn't mean they're wrong. Somebody may leave out one. That doesn't mean they're wrong. It just means we all have priorities. So fellowship with other believers is one. And fellowship with other believers does not mean coming to church just one Sunday in a month. 
Amen. Lights. And it doesn't just mean coming to church service. It means when the believers are gathered together, you are there. Look at Acts chapter 2, verses 41 through 47. It is very important. By the way, I did not give you uh, uh, any passage for uh, prayer and fasting. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 18. Those are exactly the words of the Lord on the Sermon on the Mount. We talked about it in our... uh, uh, Bible study. Now, can someone tell me the most important passage for prayer? The most important passage for prayer is in one of the Thessalonians. 5.17. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. You were going to say it first? Okay. All right. So, uh, come get something, too. Yeah, you, Rosalind. <laughs> Frida, you can come get something also. I have, I have a lot of masks. Please do it quick because I don't have that much time. Amen. God is good. I have a lot of gifts for ladies because they're the ones who answer the most. So I'm not, I'm not being discriminatory here, okay? And I have a lot of uh, things you can eat while we're walking if you answer questions. Okay. So we have Bible reading, Bible study, uh, Bible meditation as number one. Number two, prayer and fasting. Number three, fellowship with other believers. I gave you that passage, Acts chapter 2, verses uh, 41 through 47. Worship with other believers. Worship with other believers. The COVID thing made it so easy for people to just stay home and watch online. Please, please get me right. And those of you that are listening online, I am not bashing you. I am not condemning you. But worship is not watchship. Okay? Just watching somebody does not mean you're worshiping. Worship means raising your hand. And I know, I know, during the COVID, I tried it. It was so weird. (laughs) It was so weird standing by yourself, raising your hand and, you know, but being in the congregation is very important. Amen. Come here. We won't give you COVID. <laughs> okay, I just lost a lot of people just like with that statement. But God is good. Worship. Hebrews chapter 10. Verses 19 through 25. And Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, emphasizes that we ought to do it more and more, not less and less. I wish I had time, oh. Okay. Giving of your money for the storehouse is number five. Dickon Allen, where is that passage found? Eight. All right. All right. Thank you, Deacon Allen. Deacon Allen, you get a gift. You can get one for your wife, too. Uh, Get one for him. Get one for him. (laughs) Okay. Bringing money into the storehouse. In other words, bringing money into the church. So that the church can minister, the church can keep everything going, so you can sit down comfortably here 
and don't worry about being cold or being too hot so you can come here, you can hear the word of God, you can be taught, you can be prayed for, you can be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit so you can come here and you can have fellowship with people so also that the church can reach out beyond these walls and touch lives, not only here in America, but all over the world and in Africa. Amen. Giving of your money. Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 11. Number six is evangelism at home. Evangelism at home. And Matthew chapter 28, verses 19 through 20 says, as you are going. So nobody here has an excuse that I have never been presented with an opportunity to witness and to evangelize. Because the Bible says as you're going. So when you go to Schollenberger today, you may have an opportunity to witness to somebody. Amen. Amen. Don't say I'm just here to walk. Evangelism is as you are going. One beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Number, that was number six, right? Number seven, Christian service in various ways. And we're going to talk about that when we talk about spiritual gifts. But every Christian ought to be in service. Just walking here and sitting down and praising God and praying to God and dancing and rejoicing in the presence of the Most High God is a good thing, but it's not enough. God has given you a gift and you ought to be in service for God. You ought to be in service for God. Number eight. Given toward missions for home and foreign mission is very important. Where I cannot go, somebody can go and be my representative. Whether I be home where I am or away where I am not, give to mission. We always ought to remember that we need to give to mission because what we do here is going to affect thousands of lives. Those of you that go to Africa with me, when we go on mission, how many people on average do we usually minister to when we open up the hospital, we open up the clinic and have people to come in? Hundreds and hundreds. One time, just in three days alone, I saw more than 2,000 people come in there. Some of them have not seen a doctor in five years. Because they don't have the funds. They don't have the... Man, I hate this. Time, time is always against me. Okay, number nine. Bible memorization and meditation is very important. Who can give me a verse that proves that? Yes, Shalina. Seventeen. Okay. That is, that is more spiritual warfare. Oh, 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 no, no. I'm, take, I'm saying what scripture verse tells us to memorize scripture. Yes, Deacon, Deacon. Psalm 119.11. That what have I done what? Hid in my heart. How can you hide it in your heart if you don't know it? That's why scripture memorization is very important. Now, there are some people that are very bad with scripture memorization, but they're very good at memorizing all of your phone numbers. 
If a person tells me, I'm really bad in memorization, I always ask them, where do you live? What's your address? And quick, they'll tell me. I say, ooh, you have good memory. What is your phone number? They'll tell me. What is your wife's cell phone number? Just like that. I say, you have bad memory? But when it comes to God, all of a sudden, we become vegetable. Well, okay, let's move on. <laughs> number, number 10 is giving thanks to God for everything and in all things. That's also found in Thessalonians, in that passage where we have the short one on prayer. And, and the shortest verse in Scripture is not just Jesus wept. But pray continually. Pray without ceasing. If you just say pray continually, it ties with Jesus wept. For this really important thing, just God gives us just uh, verses that has only two words. So you can't claim I don't remember. Number 11 on my list, please remember it's on my list, and my list is not inspired. Number 11 is serving and giving to the poor in our community. Amen. Many of us are heavenly good and earthly useless. Why is it that you only want to be with Christians, Christians all the time? Expand. Expand your neighbor. Expand it. Let it include people who swear a lot. In fact, let it include some 49er. <laughs> Let it include some Dodger fans. That's very important. Number 12 is visiting the sick and those in prison. I will not give you a list that I don't practice. I will not give you a list that I believe is impossible. Because nothing is impossible with God. Amen. If you don't have any questions, do I have more time to go to the second? Okay. We'll go to... Uh, I want to just give you about principles for spiritual gifts. If I spell it wrong, it's because I can't see well. Okay. Uh, spiritual gifts. This topic concerns everyone sitting here, if you are born again. If you're born again by the Holy Spirit, you have spiritual gifts or spiritual gift. Maybe I should do it this way. No one here can say, I don't have anything. And spiritual gifts are not talents. Spiritual gifts are what God gave to you because you made a confession of faith in Christ. If, you may, if you've made a confession of faith in Christ, God has given you two things that is very sure. Number one, he has given you the Holy Spirit to reside in you. There is no believer who doesn't have the Holy Spirit residing in them. 
Yes, he is God. It's possible for him to do that. And the second thing is that if you are a believer in Christ, God gave you something that you may not have had before. Because if any man is in Christ, he becomes what? A new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. You are now operating in the kingdom of God. When you operate in the kingdom of God, the world's principle does not apply to you anymore. The kingdom principle is what applies to you. So let me give you some very important points about spiritual gifts. Lists of the spiritual gifts that you talk about must come from the Bible. Amen? So if dancing is not in the Bible, don't say that's my spiritual gift. Dancing. Some people even think they have the spiritual gift of gossiping. Why must it be limited to what is in the Bible? Point number two, because God the Holy Spirit is the giver of spiritual gifts. No pastor, no bishop, no pope can give you a spiritual gift. I don't care how many times they speak in tongues. You can't say, now I'll give you the gift to speak in tongues. No, it's not possible. Number three, we must not confuse spiritual gifts with natural talents. Just because somebody is an accountant does not mean they have the spiritual gift of administration. Number four, we must separate spiritual gifts from the fruits of the spirit. Okay, I'm just going real quick because of time. Number five, every believer has at least one gift. And number six, no one Christian has all the gifts. Please don't kill your pastor. Oh, pastor has all the gifts. Lie. Not true. Huh? When this is happening, pastor must do it. This one, pastor do it. This one, pastor do it. God didn't give him all the gifts. The Bible says there is one thing that God has given to the pastor that he must have. He must have the ability to do what? Preach. To teach. He didn't say preach. He just said he must teach. To every one of us, he said, we should preach the gospel. Every one of us. To the pastor, he said, he must have the ability to teach. Because God knows who his people are. If, I, if someone tells you you ought to be doing that, well, nobody taught me that. Not if you're in this church. Number seven. The singular purpose of spiritual gift is what? Who said edify? Come up here. Get some. Hurry up. You can look in the bag also, except for my phone. The spiritual gift that God gave to us is for building up of the body of Christ this one here locally and the body of Christ around the world. Number eight. No single one gift is required of all Christians. When you go to a church and they say you must speak in tongues, let them know they are liars. Okay, I don't have time to go deep into this. But that's what the Bible says. There's not one single gift that God says you must have. Even the gift of faith 
It's not a gift that is required of everybody because that gift that God is talking about is not just the gift to believe that Jesus is the Christ and that he died for you and he was buried and he rose again. That one is what we call salvific faith, the one that saves you. But the gift of faith is different, and I cannot go into it. Okay, number nine. There are different kinds of gifts and varieties of gifts even in the one same gift. For example, miracles and healing. That is why the Bible pointed out that it is the gift of what? Healing. With an S. And when it says miracle, it also puts an S beside it. Miracles. Prophecy is for instruction and encouragement. If you have the gift of prophecy, it's not prophet lying. And if you use your gift in this church, it is not to destroy somebody and it is not to destroy the church. It is for what? Edification. Christians should discover and use their gifts. That's number 11. Christians should discover and use their gifts. Amen? If you're sitting here, you say, I don't know my gifts. Come see me. I'll help you develop, uh, uh, find out what your gift is, and then you, you now have no excuse. Number 12. The gift of tongues should be used properly in the church. It must be used based on the rules prescribed in the church. Please, everybody, there's no time that I have said nobody can speak in tongues in this church. I don't speak in tongues. I speak in many tongues, but they were because I learned how to speak those languages. I learned how to write those languages. But I don't speak in tongues. I can read Hebrew, I can read Greek, I can read Yoruba, I can write Yoruba, I can speak Yoruba, I can read a little French, I can speak a little French, I can speak English, and I can write a little English. But I learned those. The one that the Holy Spirit gives to you is the one that you did not learn. And not only that, but that when you speak it, Somebody is going to be there to interpret it to, to the whole congregation. If you go to a place where they're speaking in tongues and nobody is interpreting, you better run. That's what the Bible says. I'm not just saying it. I'm not the one who's saying it. Uh, the use of all the gifts must be motivated and directed by love. Number uh, 14. Every gift is important and needed in the body uh, of Christ, both local and universal. Don't say, my gift is not as important as his. Every part, every gift is important in the church. Do you know that uh, sometimes when you get a little thing on your finger here, it drives you crazy for so many days? Just a finger. Just a finger. You may not pay attention to that finger, but that finger is very important. Many of you know that my, what do you call this, the pinky? The pinky was messed up at Costco about three years ago, and the doctor told me it would never be the same. I didn't even know I wounded myself until I got home. That little thing there, is permanently part of my body until I die. And I pay attention to you. Believe me, I pay attention to you just about every day. Because I know the way it feels. Every gift that God has given to you is important. No gift is unimportant. Number 15, there are gifts that operate in a limited sense in all Christians. So the gift of our faith, operates a little bit in every Christian. The gift of giving operates in 
a little way with every Christian. The gift of help operates a little way in every Christian, the gift of administration. But the gift of the Holy Spirit is the extraordinary gift. Okay, number 16, the gifts I've given to believers regardless of their gender. There is no place in the Bible where it says this one is only for men. I see the women are saying amen. Some of the women anyway. All the men are very quiet. Hello, Sammy. There are no gifts that are limited to men. And there are no gifts that are limited to women. Amen. Some people say only women should encourage. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> the church. Oh, excuse me. The church should teach periodically about spiritual gifts because of their importance. The church should teach about spiritual gifts because of their importance. That is very, very important. That was point number 17. Point number 18 the church must help in identification and encouragement of the use of spiritual gifts. And that's why I told you, you can see me and meet with me. Number 19, you don't improve on the gifts, but you discover them. And you use them. You discover them and you use them. You cannot improve on what God has given you. God doesn't give you a half-baked cake. Say, well, I have the gift of healing, but it can only be used at, no, you're lying. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yes. Please, that, try and do it real fast because I have a lot more points. Are you sure? Okay. Okay, number... Uh, 20, Christians must educate themselves in the knowledge of the person and work of the Holy Spirit or they will never grasp the concept of spiritual gifts. You need to learn more about the person of the Holy Spirit and how he works. And it's all there for you in the Bible. And if you come to church regularly, you'll learn more. Number 21, all gifts are important in the body of Christ, but Paul emphasized functional importance of some of the gifts, like the gift of teaching and the gift of prophesying and doing it for the encouragement of the body. Okay. Number 22, gifts are no sign or guarantee of spirituality. Remember, you have it once you're a Christian. It doesn't tell your level of spirituality. That is why so many people mis abused it and misused it in the early church, and Paul had to correct them. So when the pastor corrects you about using your gifts, don't think he's just an idiot. He's trying to put you in line with what the Bible says. Number 23 is the last one. The church must submit to the leadership of the Holy Spirit as he leads and directs the pastor and elders of the church in setting limits and guidelines for the use of spiritual uh, gifts in the body of Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Any questions? Before we leave that, do you want to say that or no? gift to edify the body to edify Christ yes. and um, and knowing you should be should be using my spiritual gift yes okay um, if you guided by the Holy Spirit in your um, gift of discernment mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit tells you to um it's not going to edify the body of Christ and the body 
and the, um, just the body of Christ and Christ, you should silence. If it's not going to edify, lift the body up and the pastor. That's, that's using your gift right there if you're, if you're guided by the Holy Spirit to just silence what you're thinking. Does that make sense? Well, discernment, discernment, <laughs> I'm sorry because we don't have time, but let me give you a short answer. I think we have been already commanded, whether you have the gift of discernment or not, that some things are not proper, according to the Bible. So you should guide yourself with that. But the gift of discernment, that's a reason why God is making you to discern that the situation is wrong. And it is really important for you to use that gift to help to correct the situation. Now, all gifts do not have to operate openly in the congregation. There's a time that you may have to meet one person, just you one-on-one with that person. That's when you're also using your discernment. Okay. Yes, quick question. Does each church need all the gifts? Because if there's nobody in here speaking in tongues, and then somebody has the gift of interpretation, they're not able to use that because the tongues are not being spoken. Uh, So that's what I was wondering. Okay. Uh, In particular reference to that, uh, the answer is no. That all the churches don't have to have all the gifts. But if there is a need... For that gift, God will give it to that church. Right. But if somebody has a gift of interpretation and there's nobody in the body that has the gift of tongues, then maybe that person won't be able to use their gift. Well, maybe he can use it privately. Yeah. Because there are private gifts of tongues and interpretation. Okay, okay. You know, you, you, you know exactly what, what you're saying. Uh, you understand it, what you're saying. And it can still benefit the church because later on, you can use it to explain what God uh, gave to you, you know. Okay. Let's go to the last one, which is spiritual warfare. They tell me up there if I have time, I will listen to more uh, questions if I have time. Okay, so... The Christian has three enemies. If you really want to understand spiritual warfare, please listen to me very carefully. The Christian has three enemies. Number one enemy is the flesh. Number two enemy is the world. And number three enemy, the devil and his demons. Let me list them for you. Flesh, world, three, devil, and angels. And his angels, I should say his angels. Okay, because there are good angels. Or demons. Okay. Demons are angelic beings. Yes. That's why they have all that power. No. Because sometimes this is the worst. We all here have three enemies. Everyone, there's no one exempt. Even Deacon Allen is not exempt. We all have three enemies. That's what spiritual warfare is. When you talk about spiritual warfare, it doesn't mean you're fighting the devil. That's not always the case. Spiritual warfare may be you're fighting yourself. The flesh. The flesh. The flesh simply is the sinful nature. Amen. 
you all may be shocked to find out that the pastor has sinful nature. If you if you still shocked, ask my wife. Okay, sinful nature. When you become a Christian, your sinful nature does not fly away. It's still there. Man, I wish we had time. Sinful nature. So a Christian is in a spiritual warfare when you are in battle with any of these three enemies. The flesh, the world, and the devil and his demons. Most of the time, we focus on number three. Lynn, we focus on number three. But we have two others. The flesh, because we're still sinful in nature. How many of you here know the Ten Commandments? Raise your hand. I'm not, I'm not saying memorized it. But you, you at least have an idea what they are. Okay, that shall not kill, that shall not murder, that shall not commit adultery, and all those things. How many of you, please raise your hand now. Okay, you know it. How many of you think you have never broken any of them? <laughs> Does that prove my case? We're all sinful. We still have the sinful nature in us. The warfare is to submit that sinful nature under the leadership of the Holy Spirit and the power of God in your life. It's your spiritual warfare. You're fighting it every day. You're fighting it every week. You're fighting it every month. You're fighting it every year. We are all in spiritual warfare. The world. Many of us have conformed to the world instead of being transformed by the Spirit. Who can tell me what passage I'm referring to? Where is it in? Romans 12. Come on, Dr. Carpenter. Uh, get, get something there, please. Don't conform to the world, but be transformed by what? The renewing of your mind so that you can prove what is acceptable to God, what is good and perfect and acceptable to God. God wants us to transform the world. Instead of the world changing you, you ought to change the world. Amen. This includes what I was saying before. When you become a Republican and you want to die a Republican, Sometimes if you die a Republican or die a Democrat, it may mean you're not saved. I don't even know why some love political parties more than they love God. The thinking of the world, the politics of the world, the government of the world, when we allow the philosophies of the world to take a central, important place in our life instead of the word of God and the principles of God, we are in spiritual warfare and the enemy is winning. The third is the devil. Amen? The devil is more crafty than any of you. Amen? Amen? Sometimes when you're doing this work, you're even proud. 
Because he has convinced you you're doing the right thing. How do we fight spiritual warfare? The armor of God, thank you. The armor of God. But, and we don't have time to go through all of that. Maybe one, you know, uh, sometime in the future I'll preach on just spiritual warfare. I'll preach on just spiritual gifts. Uh, preach on spiritual disciplines. Okay? But the point is that we fight the devil with the armor of God. belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, and on and on and on. That is why, that is how we fight the devil and his angels. You cannot fight the devil by yourself. You will be killed. But if you go in the name of Jesus, amen, no evil will befall you. Greater is he that is in us than he that is what? In the world. That is the promise to all Christians. Amen. Let us focus on spiritual disciplines. Let us use our spiritual gifts and let us fight the spiritual warfare with the armor of God. Yes. That, that's the same one. That, that's, uh, that's in Ephesians. Yeah. Okay, Ephesians chapter 6. It'll go with all of them. Yes. It'll go with all of them. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would love to hear more sermons like this one or find out more about our church, please visit us at villagebaptisthome.org. Until next time, take care and God bless.